0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I give you great thanks and praise that you've gathered us at this moment. Um, In in utmost sincerity, uh, as always, certainly be in our conversation with one another and be in our words, but ultimately, you have given us the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the living Word. And so I pray that that would be the Word um, which remains, which abides in us, um, that if and as all these fall away, uh, knowing that your Word remains, uh, and in remaining in us, we remain in you. Be in the midst of us, I pray, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, today, um, my friends, we're, we're reflecting on... Um, John, Mark, and uh, the, the title of this series. Uh, we wonderfully we had Jay for a few. I'll be in here for a couple. Uh, we'll wonderfully have Ben um, for a couple later on. Um, so I'm the intermission um, between Jay um, and Ben. Uh, Jay and Ben, but uh, profiles and failure is the name of it, and and that might sound a little too cute, and maybe it is. But but one of the things that we really hope to hammer down on. And, and I hope to uh, really speak to today, I think there can be a, uh, well, I don't think it's it's uh, excessive to say dangerous, there can be a dangerous misperception that the people in the Bible have it all together. Um, and, you know, the uh, those whom God calls into a service have it all together, and that's just not true. Um, uh, it's wonderfully dependent upon the gracious power and work of God in us, um, and it's kind of... It's it's a, it's kind of a saying, yes, but it is true. And we say that God doesn't uh, call the equipped; He equips the called. Uh, and we see that as you read through from Genesis to Revelation, you see God necessarily a- equipping us. Uh, you know those words which we love to quote from Second Corinthians about God's power being made perfect in our weakness. Um, that's true. Um, that that's true. And so we've been spending a time, some time with some of the different characters uh, in the Bible to show the reality of that. And, you know, wonderfully too, rather than beating us down, it lifts us up. Because isn't it nice to know um, that at the end, your actions and my actions are tremendously significant and they have impact, but isn't it good to know that it's not dependent upon us? Um, at the end of the day, um, God's not saying, I hope Craig pulls it through for me. Um, that's just, those, are, those aren't the lips, uh, those aren't the words that are coming out, you know, if I'm really, it's it's all hanging on Craig um, to get it over the finish line. Or you're welcome to insert your name as well. that God will complete the good work which He has begun. And so that's a way of preface about what we've been doing. And so today we're looking at at Mark, um, who is also, of course, referred to as uh, John Mark. And y'all may be very familiar with this. Uh, in that in that time, it wasn't uncommon. Um, for people to have two names, uh, their their Hebrew name and their Greek name, and so we have that with, we have that with John. He was John, and he's also called Mark, is is what we're told. And if you remember, when he uh, first um, appears to us is in the twelfth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, does, is any, still, does anybody remember that he 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 appears? Um, uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Anybody remember who John Mark's mother was? It's always a pretty good, you know, uh, Mary. So it's, uh, that's always kind of a pretty good guess um, to throw out Mary. There are a number of Marys, and so it's kind of like in a, a multiple choice, Mary's typically a pretty good answer. Um, so we we hear that, that John Mark's mother um, is Mary. And kind of one of the great things as well, uh, biblically speaking, you know, we hear about John Mark, um, but really not a ton. Um, we, we, we hear and we, we do some things about him, but we don't necessarily hear a ton. And, and I think John Mark uh, would be uh, quite happy about that. He he wants his message to remain, the message about the life that we have in God. And what we hear in Acts 12, uh, if you remember, um, Peter, uh, James is killed and Peter is imprisoned. Um, and, and Herod, we'll, we'll hear in the 12th chapter about the death of Herod. Um, that which that which falls uh, upon Herod uh, and his uh, fading away, and Peter is, uh, as was often the case, uh, you know he's, he's seized, he's beaten, he is mistreated, uh, he is uh, thrown um, into jail, and uh, but Peter um, uh, Peter was sleeping. We hear between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door regarding the prison. That's uh, that's pretty intense. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, "Get up quickly!" And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, "Dress yourself and put on your sandals." And he did so. And he said to him, "Wrap your cloak around you and follow me." And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together um, and were praying. So Peter goes uh, to the home uh, of Mary, the the home of of John, uh, also known as as Mark, we're told. (laughs) And actually, Rhoda, um, not that Rhoda, Um, Rhoda is, um, Rhoda is, is the maid, and she is so, she's so, don't you wonder if like she sounds like rhoda um so she uh she's so surprised when when she sees peter at the gate that she doesn't even um response. she runs back inside um to tell uh to tell everyone what had happened when i um asked paula to marry me um just signs of things to come uh so i asked paula to marry me and, and paula those of you who know paula Paula does not sit still well um, and so uh, and thank God we got married too And I didn't have to have a great proposal um, put together so but I so I waited till I got her in the car in a seat belt um, and so like all right here's this is it's gonna take this this is an opportunity and so I you know asked her if she'd marry me she didn't answer me she ran inside to tell her mother <laughs> <laughs> And her sister was there too. And, and they're like, well, did you answer him? She's like, no. And I'm just like, I'm waiting, you know, please uh, give me an answer here. So um, so Rhoda, I get it. So she runs back uh, and then she she comes back. Uh, but then we hear about the death uh, of Herod. And as this 12th chapter goes along, we hear that the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Um, so there he is. Um, there's, uh, there's the beginning, uh, at least of our account of John Mark. And I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Um, uh, one of the things, and I always, this has always been um, one of my uh, sort of favorite portions of, of scripture, and it may sound a little curious, but it, it wonderfully shows what God does through flawed people. Uh, it wonderfully shows what God does through flawed people if if you remember as we get to Acts chapter fifteen uh, paul and uh, and and Barnabas uh, and the others have been going about uh, on their um, on missionary journeys and um, uh, in in that time as we see from the imprisonment of Peter um, you know the 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 persecution and the rejection wasn't simply social ostracization. I mean, it it, it involved often imprisonment. It involved um, death. It involved um, loss of loss of status beyond. I mean, it was uh, it was intense the the animosity that they often faced um, in their ministry. And one of the things that we hear is that um, they're gathering together. Um, and we this is fifteen thirty six. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas. Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Of course, they went doing ministry, um, planning churches throughout this. And, and Paul says, hey, let's go back and see how, everybody's, see how everybody's doing. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Barnabas wants to bring John, uh, John, Mark, and Paul's like, no way, um, he, no, he, he chickened out earlier. Um, he, he left us. Um, things, were, things were difficult and, uh, and he left. Um, and so we're, we're not bringing along as, as in essence what, what Paul is saying. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening uh, the churches. And and along the way, um, we hear that Timothy um, joins Paul and Silas as well. So uh, that's in many ways, uh, that really is sort of our beginning place, beginning place uh, in the midst of this. We we hear that John Mark um, early on had been with Barnabas and had been with Paul, uh, and you know we we can relate, right? Um, he's he's going along, and um, it's it's the old count the cost, isn't it? You know who knows? Maybe he was maybe he was homesick. Uh, maybe he thought this was a lot more. I'm getting myself into a lot more than I thought I was getting into. Can any of us relate with that type of um, situation? You know this is. Um, you know, God, I love you, but I don't love you that much. Um, you know, I'm 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 in, but I'm not uh, I'm not in to that to that extent. I mean, any any number of things. I mean, uh, John Mark uh, could have easily have become uh, disillusioned. Um, you know, of course, uh, the you know the um, you know the uh, one of the problems uh, with uh, one of the problems with empathy, and you may agree or disagree with me on this. One of the problems about uh empathy is people um is that uh is that it involves other people so it's like it's a great theory um but but in practice it's difficult so the same with ministry um all of this it you know it's it's great but the church is great but the problem are people um it's you know fellow christians like you and me that we're inter, inter, inter interacting with so anyway there it is there's john mark there's his there's his moment uh if you will uh, of, of failure one of the great things as well as an aside um, Paul as he goes forth Paul had in mind that he needed to go uh, that he needed to go into Bithynia Paul had um, plans uh, and he had plans but one of the things that it was interesting that that we hear is that um, Paul's plans are blocked uh, blocked by we're told none other than the Holy Spirit of God Um, What what Paul had intended, that nothing short of the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, uh, stops Paul from going to the area that he wanted to go, and then he has this vision, a man from Macedonia, uh, come over and help us, and that's um, the home of Philippi, uh, the letter which Paul writes to the Philippians, that community of faith that Paul came to love greatly and that was such a gift to him uh, in his life, and his ministry, so Paul... uh, Paul had plans we see God interrupting those and directing him instead to uh, to go to Philippi and we see John Mark um, who in an understandable moment of of weakness retreats uh, and I think we see a couple of things in that one we see um, we we see and this is challenging isn't it but it's great we see the power of mercy I don't know that. Paul was wrong in his uh, in his discernment because we wonderfully see how God worked in the midst of all of this. Um, you know Silas went along with Paul and Timothy went along with paul and interestingly, as you read through paul 's epistles, uh, John Mark will appear um, later on and it, and it 's and it's clear that they are reconciled uh, as, as Paul is nearing um, the end of his life among the the people and the things he asked for john mark uh, he 's of great help to me he 's of great Encouragement to me. We we see that uh, the healing and the restoration that that takes place that takes place later in in their life and their relationship. But I think one of the things that we see is is the uh, is the is the power of mercy, and we see the power of forgiveness in Barnabas um, and Barnabas taking John Mark along with him, uh, and and we see that that power to work um, in our lives, and it's. It's not saying that we can't call a thing what it is, because that's healthy um, to call a thing um, what it is. And, and yet, more often than not in our lives, it's um, it's mercy uh, and it's it's forgiveness and it's unmerited compassion that brings about more change and growth in our life than than judgment, um, than than the pointing out of of our faults and where we've. Uh, where we've fallen short and where we've we've dropped the ball, um, and not to say that there's not times uh, the scripture talks about as well, sort of uh, instructing one another and rebuking one another. Um, so I mean, there's there's moments, but I would say more often than not, almost always, or I'd just say always, uh, it's it's grace that brings about change um, in our lives. It's unmerited grace, it's unmerited mercy, um, and it's uh, it's uh, yes, uh, the mercy that we receive in Jesus, but it's also by the work of the Spirit, the mercy that we share with one another, Um, the way that any of us have opportunity to do that, because we all live in relationships of some sort or another, uh, and there's the opportunity to unleash that power. So John Mark goes along on the missionary journey, and we hear that uh, in the early church uh, is is very uh, clear and certain about this, that, um, you know, it's interesting, so, uh, John Mark is responsible, of course, for one of our gospels. So you could say he he rebounded really well. Um, he, had a, he had a he had a great he had a great recovery. But interestingly, you know, one of the things the you know the the gospels are are given to apostles, and John Mark is not one of them. Uh, he was not he was not an eyewitness uh, of of Jesus. And what uh, the early church uh, believes, and it seems. Um, accurate. As you read through uh, Mark's gospel with with new eyes, Mark is uh, recounting the eyewitnesses of Peter. Uh, he's recounting the eyewitness uh, account of of Peter, and one of the things that's interesting about Mark's gospel, uh, and I think one of the things uh, that's so uh, well, this is there's a there's a lot of detail in Mark's gospel that's eyewitness detail, things that are included, which, which help give color, but aren't necessary. It's like when you're telling a story um, uh, and uh, uh, maybe, we ex- maybe we include some extraneous details. And the reason we do it is because it's because it's a memory. You know, We remember what the weather was like that day. We remember what someone was wearing. We remember what was happening in the world that day. We remember what our particular mood was that day. And to some degree, that's not essential to the story. But it's part of our experience. Uh, and so you'll see as you read through Mark's gospel, uh, the eyewitness uh, details. When they, at the feeding of the 5,000, um, when they sat down upon the grass, the grass was what color? Green's a pretty good answer. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. It was green. Um, the grass was green. But, you know, those details, that, that's like. Time of time of time of year stuff. The the grass was green uh, in that particular moment. When they are uh, when they're on the boat uh, in the storm, uh, where is Jesus asleep? Yeah, in the bow, in the stern. Yeah, exactly. So Jesus is asleep in the bow. What does he have under his head? A yeah, a a, a pillow. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, little. I mean, is that essential to the story? I mean, kind of the big thing is Jesus stills the storm, uh, and and we see and we see the the shock of Jesus' followers that he has power and authority, that he has power and authority um, over the water, which you know obviously in and of itself is, is enough, but but also there's even further significance. The water, in many ways, what it represented was chaos. Uh, and the and many of the false gods that were worshiped baal was the god of water and the flood and the harvest and things of that sort so when jesus stills the storm not only is he obviously delivering them in that moment but there's one of the things that's uh uh, part of mark's gospel is we see the and it's not unique but particularly there's a focus of mark's gospel the authority of jesus um, that jesus has authority so i mean that's that he's god in the midst of them i mean that's that 's the point um, that, that that God uh, is in the midst of them, that God is in the midst of us, uh, and that he that He restores just you, you know you go back to Genesis, the spirit moves over the waters, God brings order out of chaos i mean that's the that 's the message, and yet there's these eyewitness details that get included as part of that well mark 's gospel. Well, let me ask you all this because um, y'all are doing great with all these questions today um, and they're kind of lame questions so i mean in fairness to y'all i mean it's kind of it, it falls on me if you were going to pick mark's favorite word what would it be i think i heard someone say immediately um or at once um that's uh translated mark's gospel is succinct um it's uh it's succinct Uh, it's it's urgent Uh, you know immediately we hear at at once uh, once again my wife mark would be her favorite gospel Um, immediately uh, let's do this right now um, at at once and mark I mean very very likely he is writing to a community of believers who are experiencing tremendous persecution uh, in Rome uh, under under Nero and and others and so there's a there's an urgency there's an urgency to the message, and so one of the things you notice about Mark's gospel, uh, you know, there, there are no shepherds uh, and there are no wise men. There's no uh, genealogy of of Jesus. You know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these details um, and these beginnings. You know, the the lovely, you know, the things that we read on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, um, the angel, uh, uh, the angel Gabriel appearing. I mean, all these things are are not there in Mark's gospel. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the Son of God, um, and and there we go. We are right into it, and we move right into uh, we move right into John the Baptist. And it's funny we hear at the baptism of Jesus. So by um, by verse nine, by verse nine of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has been baptized. Um, so he is. Um, uh, he's getting right to it, and of course, not only um, did we hear that Jesus was baptized, but when we hear that when he came up out of the water, what's the word? Immediately, uh, immediately, <laughs> he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him um, like a dove. So you have in Mark's Mark's gospel, and again, I, I may be right or wrong about this, but uh, you know, here's a this is true of all the all the authors uh, in the Bible. But, but in Mark, we, we have a person who's been redeemed uh, and who realizes that redemption is a gift um, which has been given to him. And I would say that that, uh, yes, the persecution uh, in which, but there's a certain urgency as well, isn't there? When you've been redeemed, when you've experienced grace, when you've experienced redemption, there's a healthy urgency in your life um, to communicate that um, there, there there's a longing uh, to see others experience that which you've experienced and so um he he jumps right in but but mark's language it's simple um it's an honest uh, portrayal it's not an elevated language uh, you know very much um uh, very much uh, the vernacular a couple of interesting things i want to point out about um mark's uh mark's gospel which i think are significant um to to his experience and again um uh, more more than that, uh, it's it's about God. But one of the things um, in Mark's gospel, which is uh, you know, every, every gospel has some facets of it that are distinct. As if you know, you and I are all sharing the same experiences. We you know, you you get different our own sort of voice, um, if, if you will, in all, in all of that. But one of the things that's curious about Mark's gospel, and this isn't what your Sunday school teacher said, one of the things that we often see in Mark's gospel is the command of silence. Uh, the command of silence. Because, of course, and you think in Sunday school, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to tell other people, right? Um, you're, you're supposed to tell. But one of the things that we see in Mark's gospel oftentimes, uh, and, you know, it's understandable when... Um, when uh, demons are driven out that jesus doesn't allow them to be the mouthpiece <laughs> fair i'd say that's that's a wise um decision but even when people are healed even when people are, are are restored often there's the command of silence which seems curious doesn't it Why why is that why do you think uh why do you think that that might be pardon me yeah i mean part of it yeah part of it was a yeah part of it was a timing thing i mean it wasn't you know his time. Uh, his time was his time, and so uh, didn't. You know, he. One of the things that's very clear in Mark's gospel. In fact, the uh, uh, the half of Mark's gospel deal with Jesus' final days in Jerusalem. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, Jesus knew his time would come, and he and he came to be the suffering servant. That's something that's very clear in Mark's gospel as well. Jesus has the power and the Jesus is the very power and the authority of God. Uh, and yet he also came to be a suffering servant he came son of man came to the world um, not to not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many is is what we hear but the big thing and it's interesting one of the things that uh i've come across and i i think this is right uh, and i'm going to share some if any of you ever want a commentary on mark's gospel there's a lot of good ones out there but james edwards um commentary on mark's gospel is amazing um and there's a i don't often use um amazing in terms of commentaries um, they're they're very good and they're very useful but it's not typically i mean you can see I've poured coffee um, all over this one the bindings uh, starting to come apart i mean it's a great <laughs> I'm really a lot of fun um, it's a great it's a great it's a great commentary uh, on on marks on Mark's gospel but one of the things that that Edwards points out and I think he's absolutely right about this why why the command of silence? why the command of silence and interesting another uh, theme of mark's gospel is uh, is insiders and outsiders and one of the things in mark's Gospel the insiders are sometimes the ones who are slowest to understand uh, and as and as mark's gospel is presented the apostles Jesus's closest followers um, are often incredibly slow to understand uh, you know, Jesus says that he's come not to not to be served, um, but to serve and to give his life as a, as a ransom for many. He talks about how he must be handed over. And immediately following that, the disciples are arguing about which of them is going to be the greatest. I mean, they, they often don't um, get it. The ones closest to him, the insiders, are often slow um, to understand. And it's often the outsiders who seem to come to the realization before the insiders do. But the other thing about the command of silence is is this, is that the understanding and in fairness to them, they cannot understand Jesus and they're not equipped um, to be uh, his witnesses until they understand him through the lens of the cross and the resurrection, that they, that they are not prepared to really understand him and his mission and his ministry. They're not prepared to be his witnesses until they necessarily see him through the lens of the cross and through the lens of the resurrection and you know again in in, in fairness in fairness to them uh, thus the command of silence um, is uh, that need to understand jesus um, rightly so i mentioned he's he's in a hurry there's no family tree um there's no uh infant you know one of the things that's interesting um there are only four parables uh in mark's gospel um yeah there are they're, they're only yeah there are only four parables. A lot of what we see uh, is are healings healing miracles and and perhaps in many ways uh, Mark is writing to beleaguered believers um, and and they need to they need to hear they need to uh, understand um, <laughs> beleaguered believers um, sometimes we fall into that category um, uh, don 't we um, and and we need to be. Uh, restored. We need to be reminded of the authority of Jesus, the graciousness um, of Jesus, that in fact He is the Son of God um, who has come into the world. One of the neat things, um, uh, maybe a favorite line of yours, uh, is uh, comes from Mark's Gospel, uh, and it's from Mark chapter nine. Um, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, that's uh, that is uh, unique to uh, that's unique to Mark's Gospel. Well, I'm going to share a word now. Um, this is uh, one of the things about Mark's gospel. Early on, again, it's 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 short. Um, uh, it's it's succinct. And one of the things early on, I was not a fan of Mark's gospel. Um, and of course, you know, Mark wasn't waiting for my approval, um, and neither was God. But you know, I'm just telling you guys um, that I was not uh, I was not a fan of Mark's gospel. Uh, and and one of the <laughs> one of the reasons behind it was its ending and if you remember the ending of of mark I, and now of course um uh now that i have just this uh, enormous wisdom uh but i mean at least i have been around long enough to realize mark's ending is pretty accurate uh they uh, the disciples aren't heroes um at the at the end of at the end of mark's gospel and I, and i'll just remind you um, how it happens. Um, and of course, uh, Jesus is crucified. And Mark records in, in the Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Mark records that uh, in, the, in the Aramaic. Uh, and of course, Matthew records it, but not in the Aramaic. Luke and John do not record those words of Jesus uh, from the cross. Um, not saying it's just, you know, again, the different uh, the different emphasis, which is which is there. And we hear, of course, that Jesus is buried and, and the women go, uh, and this is 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Solomon. This is why I say Mary is typically a good answer. Um, if I throw out a name for a woman, uh, Mary is uh, pretty good. Um, so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, very early in the week when the sun had risen. That doesn't feel like an accident, does it? Um, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Uh, and, of course, they, they had the resolve to go, but naturally they expected to find a body, and they were going to do honor to um, to the body and their their concern was how they're going to move the stone because it was large and it was heavy and looking up they saw that the stone had been rolled back it was very large again one of those in some ways great but unnecessary details Um, the stone had rolled back because it was quote it was very large um, we're told and entering the tomb they saw a young man sitting on the right side so he's not not sitting on the left side, a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And here's another detail. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Uh, just as he told you and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid (laughs) boom (laughs) that's that's the end of mark's gospel we have we have a later we have a later edition that you know basically everyone agrees is, is a later edition what's the last word of mark's gospel afraid um, that's uh, but again you would think realistically if you put all of us uh, in that situation what would you be feeling you'd, you'd be afraid uh, I mean we would change as time went on but at least initially uh, yeah we would uh, I would talk about something uh, it, it's an understatement say talk about something that would rock rock your world um, you would feel rattled you would feel um, afraid by that um, so, you know, there's, <laughs> there's Mark's ending. But what I want to share is a couple of things um, as we conclude here. Um, the stone was rolled away not for Jesus. Uh, the stone was rolled away um, for the others to see. It was, it was for their benefit. It was for our uh, benefit. We, we read later in John's gospel, they're, they're gathered behind locked doors for fear, and Jesus comes and appears in the midst of them, um, you know, a God who can defeat death is not going to be held in by a stone. Um, the, the stone is rolled away for them. Uh, the stone is rolled away for you and for me. And I want to read this. It's a it's a little extended. I just love this. Again, I told you I'm am a lot of fun, um, and I know a great commentary um, when I when I see it. But it, one of the places we began is what. What strengthened and changed uh, the life of John Mark was uh, unmerited mercy. Uh, you could maybe argue it was merited, but it was mercy and it was it was grace and it was um, forgiveness those those phenomenal powers had the ability to change lives and change the world uh, and we see that it had that impact uh, in the life uh, in the life of John Mark as he um, received a word of of restoration here's one of the amazing things too I often think is that of course, one of the things we hear in all the gospels is the promises of Jesus' closest friends that will be with you even to the point of death, will never forsake you, will never leave you. And of course, they do. Um, to a person, uh, they 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 do. Peter, of course, is is particularly noteworthy, but they all, um, but 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 they all do. Uh, and wonderfully, not only does does God extend to them mercy and and forgiveness, but even more than that, he. Uh, and trust them with the message. You know, it's one thing to forgive a person, say, you know, I forgive you, but I'm really not going to have any interaction with you because I don't trust you. Um, you know, that's kind of all right. That's good, but it's another thing to say, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm welcoming you back into my trust uh, and back into my fellowship, and I'm tr- entrusting you with something which is important. And that's what we see happening in the lives of the disciples. Not only are they to with mercy and grace and forgiveness but they're restored and they're commissioned. Uh, They're they're given this phenomenal trust. Uh, But in commenting on this, Edwards says something which I just think is is awesome, and and I'm going to quote to you now. The angel's final word to the women is, tell Jesus' disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And then uh, Edwards comments this, this announcement, uh, a fulfillment uh, of 1428. And if you go back to 1428, uh, um, uh, Jesus uh, tells them, uh, You will all fall away. Uh, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Uh, and this is when Peter says, Look, even to the point of death I'll be with you. But Jesus says, you're going to strike the shepherd, you're all going to fall away, but I will um, go before you to Galilee. And so uh, back to Edwards here. The announcement of fulfillment of 1428 is a remarkable word of grace and encouragement. The flight of the disciples, even Peter's pitiful denial, have not been the last word. It is not given to human beings to speak the last word. The last word belongs to the risen Lord, I am going before you. The first act of Jesus' ministry was the calling of four fishermen into community with himself. And the first word of the the resurrected Jesus is the reconvening of the same community of disciples. The announcement of the angel is not one of deserved blame, but a promise of gathering and going before them. God completes his plans for the church despite human failure. If the word of grace from the resurrected Lord includes a traitor like Peter, readers of the gospel may be assured that it includes those of their community who have also failed Christ. I've always, I just think that's so profoundly true. I mean, what John Markin experienced in his life is that his performance wasn't the final word. It wasn't given to him to have the final word. The final word was given to the crucified and risen Jesus. And rather than a word of deserved rebuke, he speaks to us a gracious word. He speaks to us a gathering word. He speaks to us a word um, of life. And so I, I think what we can see wonderfully in the, in the life of John Mark, like ours, uh, up and, and down and success and failure in times of strong faith and weak faith. Um, uh, and yet we see wonderfully that the power is God's and not ours. Uh, and God speaks in Jesus in the cross and the resurrection uh, a gracious word um, and a gathering word, and so I pray that we will yeah we'll we'll hear and remember that and the, and the truth of that will begin to work its power uh, in our lives um, and in our relationships. Well let us pray, thank you, Father, for this um, opportunity to gather together, and that in Jesus you speak the greater final word, uh, the gracious word, the gathering word. Um, the life-giving Word. Draw us to you, um, the Word made flesh. Uh, Fill us uh, with your life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.